Welcome to this edition of the Disciples Men podcast with your hosts, Greg Alexander and Alex Ruth. Thank you for joining us as we explore the many challenges of being man of faith in these challenging times. Disciples Men is a ministry of Disciples Home Missions of the Christian Church, Disciples of Christ in the U.S. and Canada. Let's listen in today's conversation. Welcome to another edition of the Disciples Men's Podcast. This is Alex Ruth, your Associate Director of Disciples Men, and we are glad to have with us, as usual, um, our Director of Disciples Men, Greg Alexander. Thank you for joining us today, Greg. My pleasure, Alex. Looking forward to our conversation today, as always. Today, we are going to wrap up our journey through the five touchstones of men's ministry uh, that the Executive Committee of Disciples Men uh, the General Conference has come up with, and are, we are using as the foundational pieces of our uh, work together. And our final uh, touchstone is the disciples man is Christ-like. Now that's a, a, a big topic, uh, but uh, I'm going to turn it over to Greg and let him get us started on what it means to be a Christ-like man uh, and a disciples man. Yeah, in our world today. Thank you, Alex. Uh, in one sense, there's a part of me that thinks we've already answered this question with the work we've done with the Jesus Way. And, um, uh, you know, the Jesus Way ministry uh, is, we've used, I mean, we, as, as people who followed us know, we've used Jesus as the model, right. you know, for, for the mature masculine uh, expression of ministry. And uh, uh using Jesus's uh, the way that he taught, the way he led, the way he acted, the way he cared love for the people, you know, well-documented in all four Gospels, uh, is uh, is what we believe is the model, you know, for for a man in the world today, a, faith, a man of faith in the world today. And to be Christ-like, uh, in some sense, I think that's, that carries, I don't know that they're exactly the same, and you know, we can parse that out. But I do think that, that, you know, to get our cards on the table, the Jesus way really is the bread and butter foundation yes. of our work together. Right. And we've built curriculum around that. We, you know, we talk about it whenever we do keynote events with men's groups, you know, that's always a topic. But I do think it's important for us to, to note that, and I'll use my language here, that there's, there's, um, you know, there's the historical Jesus who walked the earth and taught and stuff and about stories. And then there's the Christ of faith. Right. And the Christ of faith, you know, I mean, Jesus would have just been another guy if it hadn't, you know, a good guy, a good teacher, a good rabbi, if it hadn't been for, you know, his resurrection, his death and resurrection. Yes. And it, it was his resurrection, you know, that made him, moved him from, you know, Jesus, the good historical figure, you know, to the, to the uh, cosmic Christ, you know, the one who died for and raised for all. And um, I guess the question is, when we talk about Christ-likeness, is there a difference between Christ-like and, and following the way of Jesus? And I'll throw that one at you and let you wrestle with that first. Yeah, gee, thank you. Um, yeah, so that is a, it's an important distinction, yes. Um, and, but one I don't know that I had thought about uh, until... Really, I'd taken the time to to undergo some theological education. I, you know, I when I was uh, younger in my faith, when I was you know a layperson in a church, active in the church, but but laity, 
um, coming and getting most of my education on on Sunday mornings, a little bit on Wednesdays and, and other times throughout the week. I really didn't draw a distinction between those two, um, two aspects of this one being Jesus, the Christ. Um, as that theological education started to happen, and as I started to think more deeply about about my faith, I did start to draw, I have started to draw a, a small distinction between those two. And that is, we see in the life of Jesus, I think, things that point us to what it means to be like the cosmic Christ. So that when we're talking about doing a uh, living life the Jesus way, I think we are um, aiming at some of those same characteristics. So it's being uh, some of these other five touchstones that we've talked about. It is being a servant. It, it's being a, um, a faithful person. It's being a loving person in the world, showing you know, God's love, God's care, God's grace uh, in the midst of all that we do. It's about looking out for the least of these. Uh, it's about showing care and compassion and all those things. So it's, uh, for me, uh, a lot of the Jesus way ministry is aimed at, yes, these are the actions of Jesus. And there is a distinction for me between um, Jesus pre-crucifixion and post-resurrection, uh, Christ, but uh, we have a better uh, library of examples of what Jesus did than we do of Jesus as resurrected Christ. Right. Which most of that comes through Paul. Right. Yeah. Right. Most, you know, and most of the post-resurrection understanding we have of, of Christ Jesus language that, you know, the, the name that Paul uses most often. Right. Uh, really does come from Paul's interpretation of that. And, uh, you know, we have other smatterings in the New Testament of other, other authors, but primarily it's, you know, from Paul and those who wrote under his name. Uh, is uh, is who gives us that image one one of the things the distinctions i would want to make and i think we've done a pretty good job with this in the material maybe wrong the, the jesus way materials is that you know jesus manifested a faith that all of us can manifest you know what when we when we start focusing only on the christ we we feel like we've been absolved from certain things because i can't be the christ and so we play these mental, go through these mental gymnastics of, well, I can't do that. I can't do that. I can't be like Jesus because, I mean, he was, he was the son of God. He was the Christ, you know. Right. But the truth is, all four Gospels, the most the majority of the Gospels, are stories about a man, a deeply faithful man, a deeply committed man, who manifests a certain kind of faith, a certain kind of courage, you mm -hmm. know, uh, that, uh, that his faith demanded. And... There isn't any of the faith expressions that Jesus did that are not available to us. And I would even right. go so far as to say is not expected that, that are not expected of us because they're right. all expected of those who follow Jesus. I don't I don't heal, but I can work for justice. I can remove the I can remove to the best of my ability those human made sources that create suffering. Right. I can be I can be a part of that. And that's one of the things that Jesus did. And he identified, you know, uh, poverty, oppression, uh, you know, uh, uh, prejudice, uh, you know, all those different things that are still very much a part of our realm today uh, that Jesus addressed from the human side of who he was. 
right. you know, and, and again, that is available to us all, and I dare say expected of us all. And the minute we start focusing on Jesus as the Christ, it it's we use that almost to say, I can't do that, so I don't have to worry about it anymore. Yeah. I'll let Jesus do all that stuff for me. I'll just right. put my nickel in the plate and show up one Sunday a month, and all will be well. Yes, it it, it does in some ways, or we do the gen, mental gymnastics to to encourage this, um, but in some ways it, it absolves us of the responsibility because after all, uh, to use certain atonement language, Jesus paid for my sins already. It's done. It's mm-hmm. there's nothing that I can do, and and there's. Parts of that that I, yes, I believe I want to have a deeper conversation about. Um, but, I, but I like your focus on uh, the Gospels do focus on Jesus as fully human. Mm-hmm. And Paul and the epistles and some, the latter part of Luke Acts, Acts with the resurrected Christ, we see more focus on the divinity of of jesus of christ um and so you got the the interplay between that fully human fully divine um, that we see played out um one other thing that i thought of uh and we talk about this in a couple places throughout the the various jesus way materials um but one we are called to follow jesus jesus calls the disciples follow me um and so we are called Mm -hmm. to be followers of jesus and um, there's that piece in, I believe it's Romans 3, the latter part of that chapter, um, where we make a distinction about, about whether we are to have faith in Jesus or the faith of Jesus. Mm-hmm. And I think that's a critical, it's a small word, small difference in words, but it's a critical difference. Right. Yeah, it's an absolute critical difference. Having faith in Jesus is really the Christ-like the Christ-like statement. Yes. If I if I put all my eggs in Jesus's basket, I let Jesus do all the heavy lifting for me, you know. And so I have I have faith in Jesus's faith in God. But if I if I am called to have the faith of Jesus, then I have a responsibility to manifest faith in the same way Jesus manifested faith. And yeah. and you you know that you are calling out. I think one of the key distinctions, uh, really in all the in all the the Gospels. Uh, or in all of the New Testament. And, uh, you know, that for my, because it did not understand between the two. Now, this is a great gift, and I, and I fully confess that. Um, but if, if we only operate in a world where we are to have faith in Jesus, we, have, we are handed way too many free passes, get out of jail free cards, and how we behave in life. Mm-hmm. Uh, because, again, I'm not the one that the microscope is on when I have faith in Jesus, because Jesus is the object of that statement. Right. <laughs> yeah. And, uh, and so, uh, but if I, if we are operating on the basis of having the faith of Jesus, then I become the spotlight turns on me and my actions as the subject of that statement. And yeah. so, so of course, historically, why wouldn't we want to look for a different kind of look for some cover? Yeah. But, but look how the price the church has paid for that. Yes. I mean, the church has paid an enormous price yes. for, you know, for abdicating its responsibility to manifest the kind of faith that Jesus manifested in the world. And, uh, and again, our whole curriculum is based on that, you know, for men. It's calling men 
uh, to the faith, to have the faith of Jesus and not just faith in Jesus. I think both are required. Again, I, I want to make that clear. Right. We, and historically, the church has gone so far over in the faith in category that we ignored the faith of. And we've been trying to say, in that time, we do a little corrective here. Right. And, and understand that this is, especially in the time we're in today, the kind of world we live in today, the faith of Jesus is really what's required. Yes. It's, it's faith in Jesus, what Jesus did ultimately. But that, that should be our motivator. But it's his faith in that is that which transforms the world. I mean, faith of Jesus is what transforms the world. Right. It, it's a move. Uh, and, and several of the Pauline epistles talk about this, Paul and Pseudo-Paul. Um, it, it's a move towards maturity when we move from faith in to, to, towards the faith of. Again, they're both required, um, but but for me, having the faith of is when the faith in takes on some legs and starts to do the work, uh, mm -hmm. does the real mature stuff of, okay, mm -hmm. takes on responsibility for its own actions, which, you know, as a, as a young man, as a child and teenager, I didn't take on much responsibility for my actions. I've learned to do that. Um, that that is important as I got, have gotten older and more mature, um, that I take on more and more responsibility, well-differentiated responsibility, hopefully, which is a conversation for another day, but um, responsibility for how I act and I'm a part in, uh, in the world um, is part of that maturity that we, we grow into um, as, as followers of Jesus. Absolutely. I think we have been given in our, you know, recently, and I'm talking the last 10, 12 years, I'm not exactly sure how far back we go. But, uh, you know, we, I grew up in the church where it really was faith in, faith in Jesus was, yes. you know, the model. I want to give some credit to, uh, uh, to Dr. William Barber and the mm -hmm. Poor People's Campaign. The Poor People's Campaign became a way for the church as a whole, for all of us who embraced that to have the faith of Jesus because that called us into manifesting, you know, an actually faith, a courageous faith in the world and mm -hmm. to show up where it made a difference. Faith in Jesus essentially says, who do I send my check to? Right. It's not, who do, who do I, who, who do I stand with, you know, on, in the March or, you know, at the courthouse or, or state capital or, or wherever. You know, that's that's faith of Jesus. That's that's shown up and be counted. Faith in Jesus is essentially saying, you know, I got an extra 20, I'll send you. And right. you know, and 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 we forget about it till the next time somebody asks us if we would support them again. That's right. the difference between faith of and faith in uh, in my in my mind. Yeah. There's a, a transformative aspect of having uh, a faith of uh, of Jesus. It requires us to to you know, put ourselves to change, to change, to see the world differently. Um, that is not necessarily as uh, it's not required when we have a faith in, uh, in Jesus. Right. And, you know, I think that and we've talked about this before and we'll talk about it again. Some of the uh, important parts about this Christ-like call is you know understanding that we need to 
in some important ways, decenter our own perspectives, to think about those that are different from us, who have been marginalized and who are still kept um, at arm's length from, uh, from all that they should be able to experience because of the systems of, quite frankly, sin uh, that are in place in the world in which we live here, especially in the United States and Canada. That's right. the context that I know best. Right. Yeah. And I, I do believe as, uh, you know, as um, in my 40 plus years in ministry, the difference between uh, the, the difference in the church now from when I started into where we are today is really quite significant. One would say, yeah, because the church is dying. That's not what I'm, that's not what I'm meaning. Yes. The church has gotten a lot smaller. Right. But I also believe that there's a significant number of significant parts of the church that have gotten a lot more faithful. Mm -hmm. uh, and, um, you know, there's a, I don't want to go too far with this, uh, but there's a, you know, if you're an orcharder, you know, that pruning is, re is required to get a harvest, get a good harvest. Right. And, um, you know, there's metaphors where we see God as the, you know, as the orchardist who, you know, prunes the trees to get good fruit. I do believe that that could be one of the things that we're experiencing in the world today yep. and uh, in the church. And it's been going on almost throughout my whole ministry. Uh, is that we seem to be lopping off those parts of the church that bear no fruit. Uh, and sometimes what gets lopped off are things that we've found valuable in our own lives, right. things that we've held dear, things we financially supported or showed up for, uh, you know, different kinds of ministries and events. Um, one of those, that, you know, that for the men's ministry sessions, you know, yeah. sessions to define men's, the just general conference of disciples men for, for a long, long time. Well, we haven't had one. We don't know if we will have another one because, uh, you know, COVID, uh, you know, got in the way of the one and the last one we were to have a couple of years ago. Yeah. And, uh, uh, and, you know, who knows what the future holds uh, again, right. that's, that's all in flux. Um, it may be, I mean, one of the things that we're doing with the Jesus way is we're not, we're not questioning the value of sessions. What we've said is, is no. it seems like we're called to be so much more yes. than just being a part of sessions. And sessions could be a wonderful, uh, you know, icing on the cake of some uh, extraordinary fruitful ministry, which would be a wonderful time of celebration. But if it's the only thing that we do as men, then that's problematic. Yes. Uh, you know, because we're not really manifesting any any faith of Jesus in that in that context between, you know, in those four year periods. And um, again, I'm not saying that's not happening. I'm just saying that that's that's what could happen. And so, you know, these things in time start to get pruned away. Uh, yep. uh, again, that's probably not a good example. I, I want to apologize for that because I still think that has value. Uh, but uh, but there are those things that get pruned away. There are people who leave the church because it's it's not tranquil enough for them. You know, too many people are stirring the pot. I, you know, I don't come to church. You know, uh, you know right. to be told on the, you know, I need to be doing this or I'm this kind of a person or whatever. You know, uh, if you're going to treat me like that, I'm not coming. So we we've seen this we've seen this pruning. And again, is it the hands of God? I don't know. Is it just natural course of things? I don't know. Who's to say? Uh, but it is it's taking place. And right. And what I've seen again in my time 
is one, especially among the leadership of the church. We talked about this before. When I look across the, the board of the emerging leadership, and I'm talking about pastors, regional leaders, general church leaders, there is a different level of spiritual vitality, a different mm -hmm. faith commitment that I witness in these folks than I would say I, I ever manifested. Again, not, not to say that I don't think I was faithful, but it's different. Hmm. And I think it is, it is needed today. This, this, whatever happens with this, I think this movement uh, where we're seeing a, a different kind of church emerge around the edges, uh, maybe coming, arising from the center, I think is something that we need to celebrate. Yeah. And again, are we going to lose some more stuff or there's some ministries we're going to have to cut because we can't, we don't have the same pocketbooks or the same people we once did to support these things. Well, that's a given. Yes. We're already saying that, that, and that's not going to change. But do I think that these, these leaders, these Jesus people who are manifesting the faith of Jesus leaders that I see in the church today, do I think that, that at the right moment, at the Kairos moment that God provides that they will provide a new foundation, a new spirit, a new witness, a new uh, a new vision for how uh, our church can be real and relevant and strong and vibrant today. Absolutely, I do. Yes, and yeah. uh, I absolutely believe that, and I believe that is the absolute right thing, and was and encourage everyone who listens to support. Yes, uh, you know you're not you're not going to be happy with everything. I'm not happy with everything, but at the same time, who am I to say? I mean, I have had my uh, you know i don't have a lot of stuff to show for it you know no, no one's no one's hanging medals or on me uh you know for my ministry uh but i i do believe that given an opportunity given the if if our these these emerging new leaders are given the opportunity to you know to truly follow the spirit of god that they are that, that have brought them to the point they're in now i think we're going to witness just some marvelous things some marvelous things that we, we can all yeah that most of us will get excited about. And, yeah. you know, if you're, if you can't get excited about justice, you know, about justice in the world, then you're not going to be happy with this. So go someplace no. else, you know, <laughs> find, find, I mean, I mean, serious, yeah. find, find a place that, you know, that floats your boat, uh, you know, and uh, be content with that because go, go, go be a faith in Christ witness, go, go find that place where, you know, that, right. that works for you. And, yeah. you know, God bless you in that. But, yeah. you know, I think what the disciples have, have, I think what we're seeing emerge among disciples is that um, we're going to walk the walk as well as talk the talk. Yes. And when you walk the walk, you ruffle feathers, you make people mad, people, people throw things at you, you know, people quit supporting you. And that's all right. That's it, all right. That's it's a very, part of faith. It's a very Christ-like model. Yeah, right. yeah. I mean, that, I think I think Jesus is, you know, the holes in Jesus' hand and feet kind of show there's a yeah, there, cost there's a cost. There yeah, there's yeah, there's a cost, there's a cost to, to discipleship. Yeah, period. Yeah, yeah. Somebody, somebody, pretty famous, wrote a book called that. You know, uh, yeah, it, it, discipleship does yeah. have a cost. Uh, a lot of what you've recently been just saying uh, reminds me of, gosh, this book has got to be almost twenty years ago, old now at least 15, I think it was coming out when I was in uh, my master's uh, program um, in the early 2000s, um, it was written by, I believe, Phyllis Tickle called The Great Emergence. 
Mm-hmm. Uh, and uh, Tickle uh, argues that uh, about every 500 years or so, um, there is an upheaval that stirs through the church. Um, and so she's writing at the early 2000s. Um, and the last great upheaval was the Protestant Reformation in the 1500s. Mm-hmm. And I've seen a lot um, in my short or long, depends on who you want to talk to, um, career in ministry. I've seen a lot of those same kinds of emergent things happening, that there is there's a new work of God in our midst. If we're able to perceive it, see it, sense it, hear it, feel it, and respond to it. Right. Yeah. God is always doing something new. Yes. Yeah. And these are just, I, we're at a time where there seems to be uh, the, the harvest is ripe right now for some really important changes, uh, really important growth to happen within the church. And I think it'll happen either because of or in spite of us. And I'd rather be on the because of and not the in spite of side of yeah. that story. Yeah. In history. So would I. So would I. You know, this year, Nora and I planted a bunch of fruit trees, and I've never been had much luck with plant uh, with fruit trees in the past. We're, we, we're giving it another go this year. But one of the interesting things about fruit trees, uh, and if you're a gardener or an orchardist, you mm-hmm. know this, uh, you know, you plant them and you don't get fruit two, three, four years, maybe longer, because, you know, the roots have to get secure enough, the tree has to get healthy enough to be able to support, you know, the bearing of the fruit. And uh, I think what we are witnessing now is uh, there's some been some really cool fruit trees planted within the disciples of Christ. Yes. And we feel the market is calling, you know, our, our financial needs are saying, we, we, how's come we don't have fruit to sell? You know, what, what you said was going to work, we still don't have any fruit to sell. And so we're assuming that what you did was really bad, really stupid. Well, if you're an orcharder, you know, no, this is, this is what you must do for the fruit to ever come in abundance. Yep. That this, is a, this is a part of it. And even have the years you don't have fruit, you still prune. Yep. You still got to shape the tree to make sure that it's strong enough to support the fruit that it will eventually bear. It feels to me like we're in that position. We're in that place now where maybe there's a nap or two showing up, you know, but it's, it's not the harvest we, we all want. And we're all a little bit nervous, you know, that maybe this tree isn't going to bear fruit. And, um, and I think we're in the natural cycle, you know, uh, yes, your, your comment about Phyllis Tickle's book on, on, emergence is true i do think we're in another one of those cycles yep. and you know and the cool thing is is every one of those produces fruit yes <laughs> New fruit, yes fruit marvelous fruit that can sustain the faith the faith journey for hundreds of years yeah. and yeah. so you know it's we're just in that pattern i think where we're still trying to trying to do all the necessary work to get to get these new plantings mm-hmm. these new faith trees planted uh, to bear yes. fruit and uh, we're, we're, we're just not quite at the fruit bearing stage, but we will be, we will be, if we have the faith mm. of Jesus and faith in, I'm going to change this a bit, but who have faith in Jesus. 
and uh, you know who have the faith of Jesus. I mean that that are doing this work in some sense for us, but also with us. And yes. uh, we've got to make the commitment to do it with them. Yeah, and you know it's maybe one of the things that I I've enjoyed the most about this past little bit of time that I've spent in regional ministry, and I'm sure you experienced as well, is I get a different opportunity to see some of the folks that are just entering ministry, mm-hmm. often younger than I am. Uh, but even my, you know, chronological peers um, who are later second career uh, clergy people, folks who are my senior, who are second or third career clergy people. Um, but to see these new, um, these new leaders in the church uh, developing and be- coming into their own, you know, taking their taking on and shaping and forming um, the churches that they lead in different ways than has been done before, um, sharing their gifts and talents. Um, it, it's really cool to be able to be in the spectator seat for that um, and see that uh, there are so many gifted, gifted leaders uh, in the church. Um, and to see them starting to come into their own and, and feel comfortable in in their calling and raising their voice, calling us out and calling us forward. Um, it, it is really, I find it very encouraging. Um, yeah. I, I did too. I found that to be uh, uh, really one of the things that fed my soul was seeing yeah. those new leaders. I remember there was a period of about six or eight years early in my ministry in regional work where it felt like that the quality of leadership was no longer the emerging, you know, the new leadership was no longer, was no longer quite in the same competency level as what I had known before. And I don't know exactly when it shifted, but somewhere along the line, all of a sudden it's like someone flipped a switch and we began to see, you know, this new breed of, of young pastors, men and women, yeah. that were who still are. They're just doing extraordinary ministry. Yes. And we don't have enough of them yet. No. Uh, but, but they are coming, and they, they are making huge differences in, mm-hmm. uh, in, in the places where they serve. Does it look like it did 30 years ago? No. Thanks be to God, no. Uh, right. you know, it, it's, you know, the spiritual energy, uh, you know, that's a different uh, spirituality, you know, that's expected. You know, these these pastors actually spend time in prayer. These, they, you know, they uh, they talk about spiritual things, yeah. yeah. you know, which we never did. I mean, that when I came through, you know, it was uh, one always questioned, you know, whether or not the spirit was really part of the Trinity. <laughs> you know god and jesus were okay but we didn't know what to do with the spirit yeah and then for and for others it was you know the spirit and god are okay we didn't know quite what to do with jesus but uh <laughs> you know it, everybody has their own thing so uh but yeah these folks are they're really remarkable and uh yes. you know that's one of the one of the very few regrets i have about retirement and that is it took me away yeah that source of spiritual energy that I was privileged to 
yeah. to, you know, I was able to draw from that well. And uh, I'm, I'm not there. I'm not in that position to that anymore. But the church is. The whole church will benefit. Yes. Uh, you know, from what we what we're seeing. Yeah. And it's one of those um, I, I, I can certainly see that uh, it has been a, a great blessing to me. I was fairly intentional, uh, certainly during the last several years of my work in congregational ministry. I was fairly intentional, was trying trying to stay connected to the seminary crowd uh, to find out who was who were the up and coming names. Um, but it, you know, if if you if we pay attention as the church, if we pay attention, uh, you'll start to see them out there. Um, mm -hmm. And disciples have some really, really gifted, and, and I think you've keyed in on something that is uh, important and probably wraps us back around to this idea of being Christ-like, in that I have had a renewed sense of uh, emphasis in clergy, um, kind of in my time and, and sense, a re-emphasis on the spiritual disciplines. Uh, mm -hmm. on really focusing in on developing and maintaining our own spiritual disciplines, helping the congregations that we serve or the populations that we serve, if we're not in congregational ministry, helping them develop, discover, and nurture their own spiritual disciplines, their own spiritual life. Right. And that is another aspect um, that has often gotten short shrift uh, when we talk about being Christ-like, and that is that spiritual depth, right? Um, which is an aspect of the Christ that I do think we see in the Gospels, that deep connection with a present God, not God that is removed in heaven. We've, I think we've talked about this before, and again, this is... Um probably this is certainly more a reflection of where I am than maybe anybody else or, or certainly not the church as a whole. Uh, but if, if you, and this came from uh, uh, Pierre de, uh, uh, Pierre Teilhard de Chardin to get my words straight. It's a long name for me. Uh, but he's the one credited with saying that, you know, we aren't human beings having a spiritual experience for spiritual beings having a human experience. And I, I, I find that's absolutely true. Yes. If you if you talk about creation, you know, there's, you know, most of us were were taught that, you know, creation was ex nihilo out of nothing. Well, that's not what Genesis says. <laughs> you know, Genesis right. says there was deep and, you know, and got a, a chaotic ooze, you know, a primal primordial ooze that, that, you know, was there. But if if God, if God, by definition, is everywhere, omnipresent, then what could have God made creation out of? If it wasn't God, God's all right. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so, I mean, what what else is there? I'm, I'm, I realize I'm a pretty, uh, you know, uh, limited mentally guy, but, uh, <laughs> but, you know, when you stop to think about it. So the, what an act of love is that yes. God gave a part of God's own self to bring a material reality into existence. Yeah. And and the reason we are told that God did that was to love it, to have something to love and cherish. And, yeah. um, and so by virtue if that's true then all of us already carry a part of the divine within us yes. we are already you know we we have the spirit of god already in us it is, it is what animates us to life 
Mm-hmm. Now, we don't give God credit for that too often. Uh, you know, we, right. we, we don't want to give God credit for what we think is ours and ours alone. But the truth is, at least from my perspective, is that we are of God. Yes. And, uh, the face of God, if, if we are manifesting a Christ-likeness or the faith of Jesus, is that people sh- should be able to see in part the face of God in us. And, uh, and if we are people of faith, regardless of how someone else is behaving, we should recognize that the face of God is also in them too. Yes. Which is our motivation for witnessing, loving, trying to redeem, you know, trying to bring people back into the fold, etc. is because it's, it's not giving them something new. It's giving them reconnection to what always has been an awakening to what has been. Uh, you were talking about uh, Phyllis Tickle's work. And I would, I would reference here, uh, um, uh, uh, Butler, Butler Bass, uh, help me. Diana Butler Bass. Uh, Diana yeah. Butler Bass is that, you know, she's written several things now about, about awakening. Yes. And I, I tend to think that she's right, that part of what our witness is, it's not introducing anything new as to awakening us to what has always been. Yeah. And, uh, you know, that's, that's a part of us. And going back to the Christ likeness, the faith of faith in Jesus conversation, if, if I were to believe that there is uh, a part of God in all of us, you know, that, 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 that we are fundamentally bound one to another because we are all made, in the, made with the essence of God. Doesn't that put a different responsibility on us on how we, how we relate to one another? Isn't there a different kind of relationship that should be emerging from that recognition? If we don't acknowledge that, then that means that I have no, I have no commitment to you whatsoever. Right. I, it's just my choice whether I want to love you or hate you. You know, uh, you know, pick you up or kick you, kick you down. Right. And uh, because there's no connection, uh, uh, and so I think that's that's what we've seen, and I do think that that's what faith in Je- faith in Jesus has fostered. Yes. It's disconnected us one from another. And I, I, I do want to make sure we give credit to where credit is due for this conversation to the General Conference of Disciples yes. and Executive Committee. They were the ones who put us on this pathway. And those men do exhibit a Christ-likeness that we've been privileged to witness and, and experience. Yes. And um, they are people who do, I mean, they don't talk about it, but you can tell by their actions that they are people who feel fundamentally connected yes to one another and really to everybody that's how they live their lives uh in service uh, commitment love care nurture uh and and uh, so it comes as no surprise to me that christ like would be one of the five pillars because right that's who we see in them exactly uh and I would I would take that maybe a step farther and say it's also evident in other relationships that I've seen through the church and through disciples men. So as we're calling ourselves to a a deeper way of connecting with one another, I, I hope people hear that we acknowledge and celebrate that this is already an existent thread within our churches. Yes. This is not something that is 
being created ex nihilo out of nothingness. This is something that we, we are seeing nurtured and developed in a new way that I think has profound um, opportunities for us um, as people of faith, certainly as disciples met. Yeah, um, what, what could say they were trees planted many, many years ago? Exactly. And now we're beginning yes. to we're beginning to enjoy the fruit. Yes. Of those trees through the work that we're doing uh, with the General yes. Conference of Disciples Men. And uh, absolutely, we need to make sure we honor the historical uh, journey that this that has been on, because faith has always been a part of it. These, these yes. guys have always given sacrificially and, uh, you know, and they've made their witness, whether they how they the language they use, whether faith have faith in that's our language. Right. But clearly they were motivated, you know, by a, re, a, a, a foundation of relationship founded yes. on love uh, that uh, you know that they manifested in all that they did and uh, we are we are bearing the next crop of fruit from that work and uh, again we we're changing the way we harvest we're changing the way you know or we're trying to change the way we harvest that fruit i, I and i i want to just add one other piece here um one of the differences between what was and what is, at least in, from when I started ministry to today, is when I started ministry, the measure of one's effectiveness as a pastor was, was really a measure of piety and how, how you nurtured and served what you inherited, the, the piety you inherited within the context of that church. How you reported out into board each week was a reflection of that piety. If I would have said when I first started my ministry, I spent 20 hours a week in prayer in place of 20 hours a week of sitting in, in people's homes, I'd have been fired. Right. They'd have been looking for another pastor. Right. Because that was not a part of the piety that they understood that, that, was a rep, that represented ministry. And today right. we're seeing that totally flipped, which is what you were, you were alluding to earlier, is that it's, it's, it's not a piety of to maintain the church, you know, to the, it's the maintenance of the institution. It it truly is, it truly is a spiritual um, revelation that I think these new and younger pastors are bringing to to us, that are not about the preservation of the institutional church, right? About bringing about bringing the spirit of God back into the church, so the church can be the vehicle through which witness is done, and not the object of our right. affection. Yes, very much so. Yes, thank you for that clarification. Greg, I think this brings us to the end of our five touchstones. And I have an inkling that I know where we're going next. Um, so let's talk about that briefly. Uh, we've recently put out a revision of the um, Jesus Way material, the original curriculum. And I think it's about time that maybe in our next podcast, we, we talk about why that revision happens. Yeah. Um, and, and what what makes it different from what it was before um, and how that might uh, enhance um, men's ministry in, in congregations and in communities uh, around our denomination. Yes, absolutely, Alex. Thanks for that reminder. Uh, we worked hard on, on uh, those revisions and think that they really do uh, reflect yes. where we want the material to be today. Uh, and and also, we want to make sure that it, it too, follows the pathway of these five touchstones. And we've yes. had the blessing of the executive committee and, and the work that we've done and some tremendous support from these gentlemen. 
um, and these these brothers in Christ, and we're we're very grateful for that. I, it's it's probably also important to note that you know you and I are just two people trying to make sense of not just the touchstones, but faith in the world we we live in today. Yeah. We're you know we're the two privileged to do the dialogue here and on the podcast, and uh, none enough nothing that we say or do is ever meant you know, to call in question anyone else's faithfulness, faithfulness or commitment to God. But what we do hope is that we are, we are raising new questions for you as you take a serious look at your relationship with God, what's missing, right? You know, uh, what, what priorities have changed and are you, are you attending to those new priorities with the same, with the same commitment you, you did the old priorities? Um, you and I would say that, that those priorities have changed. Yes, the church is different, and it's 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 emerging into a whole new way that we wholeheartedly support. But um, but all of us travel this road in different time time frames, different experiences get us where mm-hmm. we go, uh, or or impede our progress. And yeah. So we want to we want to make sure that people understand that for us it's it's a journey that we are on too, and it's a journey we invite everyone else to be be part of and i'm talking larger than just the five touchstones yes uh is is, uh you know we we are trying to create a forum a a, a setting in which men can come together and honestly assess their relationship to god their relationship to one another their relationship to spouse and children uh, you know and neighbor and and just ask is this how I relate to those in my realm of influence, all those people are one's realm of influence. Am I, am I helping them be all they can be yep. as God directs them? Am I helping them find God's direction in their life? Again, not manipulating, not controlling, right. but to opening the door so that they discern themselves. And am I giving them my wholehearted support as they choose to make that journey? And, uh, and, and then I think probably the last one is just then finding new ways to do it together. Uh, yes. And that's, that's all that we're trying to do. We, you know, we're, we're not, we're not, uh, you know, scholars, we're not, uh, you know, our, our theology is, you know, is like Swiss cheese in most days. And, <laughs> yep, yep, yep. and we, and we know that we confess. Yes. That. Uh, yes. So we're hoping that something we say triggers dialogue and thoughtfulness along the way for everybody who listens and, um, you know, and if you got something to share, share it with us. We, we want to yeah. learn and grow too. Exactly. Yes. We'd be glad to have some feedback so you can, uh, you can get that to us, uh, through the Jesus way, uh, website, um, or through the DHM website uh, and get that information to us. We'd be glad to hear from you, Greg. Thank you again for joining us on this edition of the disciples men podcast. Thanks, Alex. See you next time. Our special thanks to our good friend, the Reverend Dr. Dean Phelps, for providing the special music of this podcast. You can discover more of Dean's music at deanphelpsmusic.com. And you can learn more about the ministry of Disciples Men on Facebook and through discipleshomemissions.org.